Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. Jonah chapter 3 verse 5. So Jonah finally makes it to Nineveh. He walks in and proclaims the word of God. Here is what would seem to be a very strange-looking, crazy little man walking through the streets crying that in 40 days this city will be overthrown and destroyed. Who would believe that? This was a great city. It took three whole days to walk across it, being about 60 miles wide, with a population of about 120 thousand and that was likely only the men Nineveh was founded by Nimrod one of the most wicked characters in the Bible being the first antichrist archetype that appears in scripture Nineveh was the center for Ashtar worship who was the female counterpart of Baal this was always greatly condemned by God throughout scripture because that her worship was marked by promiscuity, rebellion, and the sacrifice of children, the product of the fornication and sexual sin that was committed as a form of worship to these demon gods. This city, from its founding, was evil. Everything about it was evil. Everything it had ever been or done was evil. It was immoral. It was violent. It was vile. Who would want to save this people? No man. Not even Jonah. That's why he ran. Who would want to save this people? No man wanted this wicked people who covered their walls with human skins and lit their streets ablaze with human heads to be saved because surely they were too evil. Surely they were a lost cause. Surely They deserved annihilation. Yet in this, do we see God's great love and justice and mercy shine forth that even though all that would count themselves good saw no good in this people, including Jonah, yet God, who is just, still made a way for them to choose. These people were wicked from birth. They were founded in wickedness. They knew no truth. So God sent them a preacher. He made a way where there was no way to get the truth to them that they would be without excuse. For how can judgment justly come lest a warning first be given and the choice to reject it be made? Yet we see here what no one expected. They did what no one thought they would. They made the right choice. They repented. Their sin was pointed out to them, and the judgment for it was made clear, and they truly and sincerely repented. This was probably the largest revival recorded in Scripture, and Jonah, this assuming preacher, had run from it. How many times have we given up on someone? or a group of someones, and deem them too evil to be saved. 
immoral people, politically wicked people, violent people, people that worship false and evil gods, people just like the Ninevites, or maybe not even as bad as they. Yet God sent a preacher to the Ninevites to offer salvation that they might be saved. So today we need to ask ourselves this, is God calling you to do the same? Yet you are turning and going the other way like Jonah did. Are you making yourself their judge before they have even been given the justice of the truth? Our God is a just God and he will bring judgment upon the unjust. However, for that judgment to be just, he must first provide a warning and a way of escape that they may choose whom they will serve. You see, my friend, too often we decide that someone is hopeless or useless to God when they are the very people that God is calling you to minister to. We think they deserve judgment. We think they're too far gone. But God knows the truth. Oftentimes the people and places that we see as a waste of time, God sees as a revival in the waiting. After all, what is your purpose? but to reach and to preach to the lost. So pick up your cross and ask yourself, where is your mission field but among the hopeless? For who needs hope more than they do? In Jonah chapter 3, verse 4, we read, And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, and proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them, even unto the least. For word came all the way to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered himself with sackcloth and with ashes. What a simple message Jonah was sent to preach to them to simply speak and profess the truth that you have sinned against God. You have broken his commandments, done what he said not to do, and your sin is bringing the curse of death on you. This was professed upon an entire nation. My friend, sin will bring destruction, not just on the individual, but on the collective that allows it to be possible by their acquiescence. In 40 days, he said, this city is going to change. It will be turned completely upside down. It will never be the same. Amazingly, the king and the people of Nineveh believed this word from God and began to fast and mourn and cry out to the Lord in repentance as Jonah sat and waited to see what would come of his predictions. And as is always the case with God's word, it did come to pass, but not in the way that Jonah meant it. For the people lamented and repented, and God in his great mercy relented. Yet did the word of the Lord stand true, and that revival broke out where wrath once was threatened to be poured out. Where there was lamentations, there was now celebration. The 40 days had come and everything had indeed changed and been overturned. 
The city was completely turned around and upside down, but not because of an outpouring of wrath. Instead, it was because of God's great mercy upon the undeserving who chose to trust him and humble themselves before him. Nineveh had been given another chance to obey God once it humbled, even as Jonah himself had been given another chance to obey God once he had humbled. Nineveh's rebellion had caused it to spiral into the depths of wickedness, but so had Jonah's rebellion done the same thing to him. God allowed one man to face a trial of judgment that a whole city might be saved from it. Yet was all of it an act of mercy to the revealing that their saving grace came from the same place. And that place was faith. When they humbled themselves, believed God, and repented of their self-will, God saved them. My friend, the scripture is clear of this, that God is no respecter of persons. He is, however, a respecter of those who respect him, who believe him, who humble themselves before him. He respects faith. In this do we see that he extended the same grace to the Ninevites who humbled themselves and believed him as he did to his own people and kings when they repented. Like faithful King Hezekiah who humbled himself before God and for his righteousness was judgment stayed on his nation and people for a whole generation. We see this play out again with the young king Josiah, who upon reading the scriptures and seeing that his people faced judgment for participating in the sin of child sacrifices, the same sin that was being committed in Nineveh, he repented and sought the Lord through the prophetess Huldah, to which the Lord answered him that judgment was coming upon them. But because Josiah believed the words of God and repented of the wickedness, and stood against it, God would not allow it to come in his generation, but would stay it for a season. So great is his love and mercy. Yet does it take one willing to humble themselves and be that vessel of mercy for the undeserving, the intercessor, the preacher of righteousness, the prophet pointing out that the fullness of time has come and sin must be judged. Yet still does God give one more chance for repentance. That wrath might be replaced with revival. Because it does not matter how wicked the sin is. It only matters if you believe what he has spoken enough to react to it. Because true faith requires an action of humility to prove your sincerity, that you really do believe and recognize your need for his great mercy. And Jonah prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth thee of the evil. Second Peter chapter 3 
Verse 9 tells us this, that the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men might count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Micah chapter 7 verse 18 says, Who is a God like unto our God that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgressions of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, but he delighteth in mercy. Second Kings chapter 22 verse 19 says, And the Lord answered Josiah saying, Because thine heart was tender and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord. When thou heardest what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and has rent thy clothes and wept before me, I also have heard thee, saith the Lord, behold, therefore I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered unto thy grave in peace. And thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I shall bring upon this place. And they brought the king word of this. You see, God said that because he humbled himself. And we see that many times David prayed, Oh God, I humbled myself with prayer and with fasting, with weeping and with mourning. And we see what the Ninevites did that turned from wrath and judgment unto revival they fasted they wept and they prayed unto the lord god gave us this formula himself when he said if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves will turn from their wicked ways if they will repent and pray then i will hear from heaven and i will heal their land god delights in mercy but he told us how we have to do it he is God. We are not. We humble to him. He does not humble to man. Do you want to see judgment stayed in your nation saved for another generation? Will you humble yourself? Will you fast? And will you pray? God, we cry out for revival. God, we pray against distractions, hatreds, self-ambitions, vanities. Lord, you said those who observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Lord, you are willing to pour out mercy right now, but the window is short. Is there a people still willing to cry out, to stop playing, start praying and obeying before they miss their revival in the waiting? This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.